Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Today, I got the opportunity to sit down with the one and only Chase Beckham. I'm saying the one and only because after I got done with this interview, all I got to say is he's a true-to-life human being, man. We got to talk about motorcycles. We got to talk about growing up in Apple Valley, Southern California, reggae music, the move to Nashville, some life-changing events that happened to him that weren't so good, but today, he's a better man. Let's get to know Chase Beckham. When I got to Oklahoma, I was 17. My papa taught me how to work and load. He was me. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Chase Beckham, first time at Stoney's. Welcome to Vegas, brother. What's going on, Mr. Toad? How you doing? Uh, dude, I'm, uh, it's Friday, and I'm at work. I love my Fridays at work because I get to meet people like you. Yeah, I get yeah. to meet people like you on my Fridays at work, too, so this is good. Ha-ha. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think other venues do this. Come on, man. No, nah, this is cool, and you guys have a cool little setup for it, too, where it's this is like a... A, a really badass room that you know we can come and hang out in. It's uh, my friend Jen put this together. Um, we told her we wanted Bohemian and Bohemian, and she literally this is what she came up with. These are the soundproof things. She grabbed some cloth and kind of put it under. I guess I should probably post a picture of this room one day. She created a vibe. I mean, it's it's real nice. I like right. It. The only thing that's missing is maybe hookah or weed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we can make that happen. I mean, <laughs> right. Right. Before the show, let's do this. I don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I would be worth the piss if I did that. I'd probably be sleeping. You know what? I mean, I've and probably oh, I'll open up a little bit. But I mean, I've I deal with you know depression and anxiety since I was very young, uh, probably like fourteen, fifteen. That's when I started smoking weed. Um, and it caused a lot of you know drama or whatever. But for me, it was always something that medicinally directly helped me. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me too much. And um, I was at a show one time where I think we're in um, man, where were we in Indianapolis or something, and we played this show. And I asked one of the boys, I was like, "Hey, you know, you want to smoke? I'm gonna smoke whatever real quick before the show." And after the show, they're like, "I'm never doing that again." <laughs> like, and I was too like, tired. "Really? Was it that bad?" And they're like, "Struggling." But I've always been like a heavyweight when it comes to. That kind of stuff, you know. So I have I have friends that that dabble in what I like to call rappers weed. Oh yeah, and, that, and like it's the one hit, and I'm in a coma. Yeah. for like four days. But that's I the stuff from that's out here, West Coast, like California, West, Vegas. Yes. I mean, you don't find that stuff uh, out east. No, <laughs> dude, where did you grow up? I grew up in Apple Valley, so about two and a half hours away from here. Right, I've been um, there many times on my way to Cali. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you'd pass it through if you're coming from Vegas, or if you're coming from you know just about anywhere. If you're going on forty. Uh, you, you you pass through Apple Valley, Barstow, Apple Valley, and then right. you go down uh, 15 and get into the, you know. We went out to the sticks, I think our last trip, we went through Oxnard. We were going to Oxnard, and we took the back way. Right. And I want to say that we went through there. And yeah. It's a great place to buy beef jerky. That's all I remember. There's always this guy on the Is side the of the road. alien jerky? You ever um, been to that, that place? I've never had that one. Um, There's like the big old alien outside. I've on, seen that. You've seen it? Yeah. Yeah, they got good jerky there. Kenny, dude, I think I think beef jerky is like the perfect driving snack. That and sunflower seeds. I lost a lot of weight on uh, beef jerky and, <laughs> and uh, seeds, man, and yes. nuts and, and raisins and stuff. Because uh, I just snack on that. You know, if I got hungry, have a little beef jerky and right. Fat Man's beef jerky in uh, New Mexico. They have the a, good. They have a, a sweet and spicy, and it's like a thin cut. So you can kind of see through it. It's kind of transparent. Oh my god, dude! Like the best. I, I order pounds of that stuff, and I can just go to town. I have to like stop myself from eating it. But I was two fifty at one point. Holy cow! Two hundred fifty pounds. Which I mean, right now I'm like two fifteen, so I'm not too far. You know, I'm good doing, on a little, you. doing a little bit better. But um, at one point before I did Idol, I lost like seventy five pounds. I went from two fifty down to like one seventy five. 
and I did that eating beef jerky and, and nuts. Beef jerky <laughs> and nuts. <laughs> and then I, I'd have like steak or chicken and uh, broccoli for dinner, spinach and stuff, and just kind of cut out carbs and sugar. Right. You know, beer beer was a no-no. But yeah, I lost a ton of weight doing that, man. Let's let's. How did you get involved with Idol? Like, uh, you just went and tried out, or did you get approached? Or well, actually, so like I, I dug myself in a pretty good hole because I got in a lot of trouble, uh, just in my personal life and and uh, with the law, basically. So you know, I'd made a lot of bad decisions, and I don't think it was because of one reason or another. I think that you know, I just had bad coping mechanisms, and the, the way that I handled uh, pressure and a lot of things that bothered me wasn't. I don't think I handled them in a healthy way. Right. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting in a car wreck, got a DUI, like, you know, you name it, all the bad stuff that could happen to you. Lost my girlfriend, lost my house, lost all. I had to move back home with mom and dad. And Sounds like a song, but go ahead. It is a song. <laughs> and it's called 23. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, all my music, it kind of comes from those places. And um, I, I was just back up against the wall, you know, and um, I remember not coming out of my room for, like, a week or two after I got the DUI. I was, like, contemplating whether or not I needed to be sober or if I had to, you know, change who I was. Or I didn't know what I was going to do because my job at the time, uh, it, it had me. I was driving, you know, for my, the company that I was working for. So I was driving a, a one-ton truck around in and out of job sites. Right. So I couldn't drive anymore for my company, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a living. And um, <clears throat> I had done a virtual audition that my parents, like, signed me up for, and they forced me to do it. And um, it was a big deal because I remember getting in trouble at work for having to take the day off and, and all this, and it took all day for me to sit on this Zoom and go through. But they accepted me through, and um, they asked me if I wanted to come and audition for the judges. And my parents signed me up, like I said. like They did all the paperwork. They're like, you're doing this. And, and how old were you? Um, I was 24 at the time, okay. I believe. Yeah, 20 or let me see, 23 or 24, right, right after I wrote the song, 23. And um, they didn't really give me a choice. They were like, this is what what we think you need to do and we're gonna help you do it basically I, are they musically inclined my mom can sing she doesn't sing for anybody but like my grandmother she she could sing and um we have like great aunts that were like opera house singers and stuff like that but um not really too much music going on in my family you know like not a lot of people playing instruments and singing and stuff you know so she was just kind of i had a band at the time before all this happened and they would go to every show and they would support me and they helped pay for t-shirts that we made for the band and they right. helped pay for recording so we got our own cds so um, my stepdad he kind of like managed that band for us uh, what kind of music day. was that it was reggae music right on. so yeah we started off i started off uh, my career playing reggae music and um and i still love reggae music but i call my drummer sometimes we talk on the phone he's like yeah you were never you're never meant to be a reggae singer. He's like, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing now. And we kind of laugh about it. But that was just the music we were making because that's what everybody kind of could bring to the table. And right. We, we were getting really into that scene out here. We are playing in California and playing a lot of beaches and stuff, you know. So we got into that. But he was, uh, Terry, my stepdad, was like the main guy. He booked all the shows, made sure that we got paid. He, you know, took care of the band and stuff. And so they kind of really involved themselves in my music career and they believed in me and um, when COVID happened all that kind of fizzled out and I didn't right. really get to perform anymore so and then that's when I kind of spiraled you know I, I'd lost some people in my life and some some negative things had happened and I reacted in a not positive manner you know and, and kind of got myself in a little bit of trouble and so uh, you know after the car wreck I was sitting in my bedroom and my mom and my stepdad were like we, we still think you should go do the American Idol audition we won't, we're going to drive you up there we'll take you you know and make sure that that everything works out, and they're like, we'll figure all this other stuff out when we get home. 
Dude, and their vision. That's crazy. Yeah, they said they I remember they told me they said don't worry about this. It will work it out and right now let's focus on going and trying to compete on the show and get you on the live television. And our goal was just to get to live sure. TV. That's top 10, right? Uh it's like top 14 or top 16. It kind of okay. changes every year, but ballpark, yeah, it was like my goal was just to be on the live episodes and I was like if none of I get people to see me, you know, and and if they think I'm any good then then hopefully that'll go somewhere. Maybe someone will reach out, you know. So uh, I said okay, and you know, got in the car, packed my bags, and we went up and did the audition. And, and that was where <clears throat> in Ojai, California. Okay. So up, up, uh, not north, but up north a little bit. You know, beach, little beach city or town. Uh, Johnny Cash actually used to live in Ojai, California, with his wife, and he moved his parents in as well. Bought them a house out there. So there's a big Sweet. old thing that says Casita Springs, home of Johnny Cash. Right, right there. There's a lot of wild stories. Johnny Cash getting a lot of car wrecks and drive his car around. And I mean, he was a he was a badass. But he's Johnny Cash. <clears throat> he's Johnny Cash. But anyways, that's where I did, that's funny enough. You know, he huge inspiration on me growing up. I remember watching uh, Walk the Line, and then I read Johnny Cash's autobiography, just the the one called Johnny Cash uh, right. or Cash, and um, I was obsessed with that from a little kid, and so it's kind of cool that I got my start right there in a town that you know. That's that's, that's crazy. Cool. I mean, you. I mean, I hear stories of artists that that get a phone call and they're like, "Hey, you're going to be on this. You're going to bypass all this other kind of stuff." But no, you, no, you you yeah. came directly from the. No, yeah, we signed. They signed me up, so they had no idea who I was, and. Um, that's awesome. I knew, I knew kids who kind of what you, like what you said, where they had got offered the the spot on the show and. They just get to show up and sing for the judges. Well, I did, you know, a lot of uh, auditions before that were virtual on Zoom. And did you sing your own songs when you were doing the the vir- virtual stuff, or did you do no, covers? No, I, I didn't. I was a little nervous to share some of my original stuff, and um, I, I did covers. So I think I, I, the first song I sang was "What Brings Life Also Kills" by Colton Moore, and um, they encouraged me that that should be the song I should audition to the judges with. Right, and that was the start of my career as far as having any notoriety you know because whenever they aired that episode of me singing colton's song and if anybody who's listening knows who colton moore is um just knows what an absolute machine this dude is at creating songs that touch people because he talks about real life stuff and real life music and real life problems it's not the sugar-coated you know fancy like let's get on the radio and sing a happy song it's right it's real stuff you know and so that song connected with me whenever I was going through my breakup, when I was going through my DUI, when I was going through all this stuff. And um, so I believed in what I was singing, I guess. you know, It was, well, it I, was I, relatable. I had, I had lived it. Right. So I, I, knew, I knew what it was, and I, I was really emotional singing that song. So I went in there, and I sang that song for them at the actual audition, and you know, I got the three S's, and I remember coming out, and we were just a, over the moon, me and my mom, because my mom was there with me, and... Uh, it was it was kind of one of those things where I was like, man, I have a shot to really change the direction that my life has gone. And, and I and as far as it where it was, it was as bad as it could have got. You yeah. know, I mean, only thing that could have got worse is in my wreck, I could have hurt somebody. Sure. And I could have been in prison. I could be in jail, or I could be dead myself. Right. So it could have been worse. But I think that the way I see it was, I felt like you know, I'm a Christian. I believe that God kind of stepped in my life at the right time and completely rerouted where I thought I was going and put me on a path where I was supposed to be. And I recognized that. And I said, I'm not going to mess this up, yeah. you know? And so that was, I'd show up and nervous as hell doing these American Idol TV shows with the cameras and the judges. And, you know, it's really, really scary, but, um, I'd performed for five, six years. And every time I'd perform, I'd get up there hammered, you know? So this was like, the ease. The, yeah. The ease of doing it. And we're having fun. We're playing bars and, you know, and just to get up there for the first time, 
ever just drop sober without a you know no liquor in me, no yeah. nothing, and and get up there and sing and having to face my demons on stage and on camera, and in uh, front of the world, <laughs> dude. in front of the world, exactly, and kind of take take that and learn how to use that as fuel, you know, to kind of like put it well, into my performance and 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 also just to be a better person in general. You know? How about so. the story that how it how it can appeal and affect to everyone because everybody goes through lulls in life and they always think that they're not worthy yeah. or they there is no road or yeah yeah like well, I mean, that path like is you just you just showed someone that you could be in the worst position that you could ever you lost your job you lost your yeah. girl you, yeah absolutely um, you got a dui cost a fortune yeah you know you can't and drive I, anymore like I mean, what I do you do fin- i just finished dealing with that man i just finished my dui classes that i've been right. doing every tuesday night i'd be on uh, dui classes learning about and doing group therapies with people and right. stuff and i'm not sober and i've told people that and i always tell i try to be open about that because i know on the show it kind of portrayed but my goal was to get my life together right it wasn't my goal was never sobriety and to be this uh you know cookie cutter you know, straight edge dude, because that's just not who I am. But my goal was to not, not mess my life up with, with, you know, certain aspects of letting things get out of control. I wanted to get my life together and I wanted the people around me to enjoy the time that they spent with me. Right. I didn't want to be a nuisance or a problem, you know? So there was a lot of things that I had to address right then and there. And I think in that year of being on the show, I really grew up and matured a lot. And it, it taught me a lot about what I'm capable of and what I can't do. You know, and that's kind of like what we're talking about is like, you know, artists getting, you know, too drunk before a show or something like yep. that. And, you know, that's just something that I won't let happen because I've done it a thousand times. I've fallen over on the stage whenever I was, you know, 20, 19, 20, 21. I mean, that was every Friday, Saturday night. We'd just go as hard as you could possibly go. And everything else was included, not just alcohol, you know. So right. we used to have, uh, you know, these crazy nights. And I, I kind of lived those rock and roll days whenever I was, you know, 19, 20, 21. And, and they were you know 100 percent full throttle all out i got the stories man but you know i'm i could i could only dude and in southern california yeah in southern (laughs) california you know we were just running amok and we're all high at the time we're all high school best friends so we were uh you know i was in and out of high school i got kicked out of my high school Uh, it was back and forth from california and oklahoma because i was homeschooled so i was building houses in oklahoma coming back to california every now and then going back to oklahoma my papa my grandma lived out there my papa was a contractor so i'd work for him a lot you a sooner or a cowboy oh you know my boy my papa was a sooner and i got a lot of friends out there that are cowboys so it's kind of one of those things where i'm right in the middle i'm right in the middle man i don't really dabble too much in college because like where i come from in the desert you know we don't have have anything diehard college team right and like that's not there was so much more going on so um yeah never i like nfl teams but i don't really get too much into the college and everybody's like college is way better but i have i'm a i'm a nebraska fan so um yeah man yeah i like my college sports man i just i don't really get into a lot an awful lot of pro stuff it's but fun when you watch it because they're you could tell they're putting it all on the line and they're a little bit more competitive than they are in the nfl i like to use that analogy towards um up-and-coming artists a- absolutely yeah. because you get i i've i've watched plenty of artists come through here if you walk that back wall back there you see just about anyone Everybody, that's on yeah. they've all they've all played here and they all play like russell dickerson's played here seven times yeah He's a monster now. Well, this is a great place. Yeah. Like, when I was down there and we're talking about it, I was like, I really like this bar. This is a cool place. It is. A, yeah. you're, you're going to see tonight that we are. So I always like to tell people, Stoney's, uh, we're open three days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's it. Thursday night's ladies' night. That was last night. Last girls, night. Girls drink for two bucks. I never do live music on Thursdays. Right. 
because I don't need to. Yeah. And I lose my ass because I had to pay an artist. Like, I'm screwed. Right. Because <laughs> um, drinks are only $2 for girls. Yeah. And, yeah, no, and yeah, single guys, you're dumb if you're not here on Thursdays. That's all I got to say. Friday night is the night that they'll dance from 7 to 10, and then you'll play your right. hour, hour and a half, whatever. And then they'll go back to dance until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then Saturday night, just dancing. That's all they do. But... I just think it's neat. The up-and-coming artists, we get, these people are trained now to come out on Friday. If they know you or if they don't know you, they come out yeah. because they know it's going to be something good. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and when yeah. it's going to be a good artist. Not gonna, we've had a couple up there that have drank too much, hence the rule that we don't put alcohol <laughs> in there till 9. There, yeah. uh, we've had some, you know, some that get up there, and you're just like, what, the f- like, what are you thinking? Like, yeah. How did you get a deal? <laughs> yeah, you I've know, had those moments here. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you see that sometimes, and I, I, I'm so conscious sometimes of what other people think about me, which is like, you know, I've a lot of people like if i post a picture of me drinking a beer like someone will message me and be like you know dude like i'm praying for you like sorry i'm sorry that you're drinking again and i'm like i never really stopped drinking i just got my my drinking to a point where it wasn't what i was doing yeah Yeah. well that was it's kind of like me and my pops talked about it and he's like son i never really thought you had a drinking problem and i was like well i did i was like i just made some really bad decisions and he's like well I made a million of those whenever I was your age. And he's like, I've been, he's like, I've been in and out of those, you know, troubled spots so many times. And I think the the main idea of it is not letting it define who you are and let that become, you know, what you identify yourself with and actually right. kind of taking the chance to learn more about yourself and to respect yourself and to learn what you're capable of and who you can and who you want to be and who you don't want to be. And I think that's what I figured out in that time was exactly who I didn't want to be. I, you, and you're blessed. Oh my God! You're you're, so you're blessed. blessed. Yeah, I mean, if you were to watch my, if my life was a movie, and you were to watch it from uh, two two to three years ago up until this point right now, be a great movie. It'd be a freaking. <laughs> I'm not lying, and I don't mean to say that like it's the girl. This incredible story, but if you were to see, you know, where I was and and where I'm at today, it's it's remarkable. And I think that it's yeah. okay to to stop and give yourself credit for that sometimes, and look at what you've done and say well, you did you it. Know, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, in that sense, you, know. you, 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 not just you lived it, but it was your choice. You, you could have kept doing what you were doing. Yeah, and I could. And the thing is, could have told your like, mom and dad that. Right, and I could have stopped. And I could have stopped it with what I accomplished. And you know, I, it, it, I think that people don't pat themselves on the back enough. And I'm not at all a conceited type of person, or I, I'm, not, I don't walk around with this energy that's like, oh, I'm all this and I'm all that. You know, because I can't stand people like that. But at times, because I do beat myself up about a lot of things. You know, I'm a very emotional, very self-conscious person. I always think about you know everything that everybody says to me and everything that I say to them and how that made them feel. That's just how my mama raised me to be. Right. You know, so um, it, it it takes a little while to kind of you know, shake that off and, and be able to be like, it's okay to look at myself and say like, man, you've come a long way and you've done a lot of great things and you've inspired some people to, to do better in their lives. And that's, if I could do that for some people, then then my purpose is fulfilled. You I know? think that that's what you were probably put on earth to do, dude. I, I, I believe that because I mean, I've tried everything else and nothing's working. <laughs> it's like, this is the one thing that's kind of been my, uh, my niche, I guess you could say. And and I've I've lived in this this musical world since I was a little kid, and I've always been obsessed with guitars and songs and songwritings and stories and storytellers, you know. So I'm, I'm very honored to be one of those people uh, right now. It's pretty rad to stand up on a stage, and uh, I like to use Stoney's. Uh, it's pretty iconic. We've we've built ourselves to be iconic. I've had artists come through here, and Stoney's has been on their bucket list. I've had artists that are coming through here that have been like, dude, I've been emailing you, Toad, for three four years, and I'm finally here. Yeah, well, I mean, it happens a lot. Like more often than not, I mean, it's a. I mean, 
we do 52 shows a year, sometimes some on Saturday, sometimes we don't. So, I mean, it doesn't, maybe that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Right. I mean, to be able to get routed and come and play here and have it work out just the way it needs to work out, it's, it's tough. And we, we pride ourselves on that, on being, um, our sound quality is good. We want you guys to have the best experience. Yeah. We, you know, like we cater to you guys because we want you guys to like feel at home and want to come back. And that's kind of a lot of places aren't like that. A lot of places you're just, hey man, I'm giving you your money, do your thing, and fuck out. And we're not like that. Yeah, you know, and it goes a long way for artists like for us. Like when we come in a place and they're really hospitable and they're really yeah. are paying attention to you know taking care of us and. We walk out of there, and maybe the sound's not that great. Maybe the the way the room's set up isn't that great. But when we walk away, and people have treated us with kindness and respect, that yeah. that's all that matters. And we're, I don't care about anything else. It's like if we can respect each other, like each other, and leave on it's good, a win. Then it's a win, you yeah. know. And I just I like making friends. I'm not I'm an introverted person. I don't really go out of my bubble too often. So when I do make friends, I value it, you know. And so when it's I good. meet people, I try to. You know, I always put my best foot forward, and I think, you know, having a venue like that, too, where you guys really prioritize taking care of an artist is important. One, for, for, for one hour a week, we joke about all the time, is that we spend, <laughs> we spend 90% of our time for one hour a week. But that's, that's the cool, fun man. of it, because I always have said from day one that I can't pay you to walk out of here and say you had a good time. Yeah, I couldn't afford it because the end of the day is like, why don't I? I treat you like you're at my house. That's yeah. just it. Um, you're a guest in our house, and that's how that's how we want it to be. Go back to American Idol. Other than fixing yourself as a as a, a human, what was your best experience out of that? Like, what did you what did you take from that experience? Like something you could share with someone? Well, I mean, I, I think that whenever I did Idol, I didn't believe in myself at all, you know, and I didn't have any any self but confidence in, in any of the things that I could potentially do in my life. Um, I tried music for five years, five six years, and and it just hadn't worked. And I did it, you know, in ways that I thought was going to work. And I wanted to be. I'm stubborn as hell, man. I'll do everything my way until everything around me is up in smoke and then i'll listen to someone and they'll be like hey man try it this way and i'll be like okay now that i've executed all other options i will try it your way and then it works out and that's about what happened for me um you know with my stepdad is i finally listened to my parents and and my life changed but i think just believing in myself was something that i had never really done because i just wanted to go out and party and have fun and um now it's a much bigger mission for me i want to go out and i want to connect with people through my music and uh you know and make people's lives better by giving them a song that they may be able to relate to and, and say, holy shit, that's me. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on you here. Can. You can but say yeah. fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> but say, you know, holy shit, that's, that's me in this song. Because when I hear a song like that, dude, it blows me, it blows me back. And I just I, I repeat, repeat, repeat. And I listen yeah. to it and I let it sink in. So, you know, just realizing the potential and what I can do. You know, I'm a kid from Apple Valley. Um, we, we don't have too much, you know, in, in the high desert where it's like you can obviously go get just about any job as far as like you could be an EMT, a firefighter, a police officer. You could work in the, the county or whatever you want to do, you know. But, I mean, there's not too many crazy huge success stories that come out of where we're from, you know. So yeah. it, it was cool for me and especially getting to go back to the schools and talk to the kids and everything because I went to those same elementary schools and I was in those same classrooms, ate in the same cafeterias, and to go tell them, that this isn't the world. Like, the whole world is wide open for you guys. A, l- a lot of those kids probably don't get out of Apple Valley. Exactly. And, you know, and it's there's a lot of things that could contribute to that as far as, like, you know, parents with financial, uh, you know, problems or whether or not there's just anywhere else for them to go, you know. Right. But that could be your whole world. And, you know, for me, when I opened my eyes and realized that I wasn't just limited to where I was from, 
and that I could relate to people from all over the world. You know, whenever I see people in Australia or like Indonesia or Iran, they like reach out to me on social media and say like, hey, I'm listening to your music. I'm a big fan. And it's like they're all the way across the world, you know, and right. That's so special to me. So, I mean, I guess just believing in myself and figuring out, you know, that uh, really anything like they tell kids, you know, you could be anything you want when you grow up. You could be the president of the United States. And I remember I couldn't sing till I was like, you know, 18, 19 years old. I tried, but I just didn't have I don't think my voice was developed into what it is now. And um, I never thought that I'd be I always watch American Idol and I was like, man, I wonder what it would be like to hold one of those shiny silver microphones and be up there and everybody's watching you on TV because everybody watched American Idol when we were growing up. You know, right. and that was the big, big show on TV. I remember just being like, man, that would be so great. Imagine if I could go up there and do that. You That's know? crazy that you think. I mean, I always hear those stories of the people are like, yeah, I used to watch this growing up. I think the last year that I really watched it from beginning to end, my sister and I uh, bet on who would get farther, Carrie Underwood or Bo Bice. I took Carrie Underwood. She took Bo Bice when there was like 50 of them left. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy that that was your top two then. And I was just like, I, yeah. I won 50 bucks. I did. <laughs> but I just sit back and I like, I, I think my favorite part about The Voice is the blind auditions. And half right. the time, I wonder if it's real or not, because I've got friends that have done some of the other shows, and I'm just like, man, like, I don't know how fair they are, and that's why I just sit right. back, and I'm like, I don't, I think that's when I quit, like, really watching and watching, but sometimes I watch, I, I'm blown away. I'll sit there, and I'll rewind the, and listen to the song again, rewind it, listen yeah. to it again, and just go, oh, my God, right. these people can sing, you know? And that's the thing that, like, whenever I got into that show, I was so nervous, because I was listening to everybody else sing. Right. And I'm nowhere. You're I'm, way different. I'm way different. Yeah. Dude. So it's like whenever I was hearing these people sing, I was like, oh, I'm gone. You know, because they're just doing runs and all these beautiful falsettos and so much control over the range and where they were going with their voice. It's you know, knowing how to drive your vehicle, basically. And right. it's like these people could drive racetracks and figure eights around me. And I was just sitting there still figuring myself out and i think i still am which is kind of a cool thing because it's like as i put out music and as i play shows i develop who who i'm gonna become and then later on it's it i'm never like married to oh this is who chase beckham is it's like the next record might sound a Way little different, bit right a little bit different you know it but should, it's though. because i'm not trying to just live in one house and just say oh this is who i am so it's kind of cool to watch that happen but also at the same time when i was on the show um, I was like, I'm in here with a bunch of tigers and wolves, and I'm a... I'm well, they a, all want to do what you want to do. Well, they're all, you know, they're all there to win. Right. I was just there to try to, like, reassure myself of, like, <laughs> oh, maybe I could do this in my life, you know? So I think it kind of goes to show for a show like Idol, and I could, from someone who was on it, I can tell you it's all very real, the way that they did that show, and... Uh, That's right. You know, as, as far as someone who, they didn't know who I was, and I signed up myself, and I put myself in there in their category of you know artists and stuff and um and then i was able to take that and, and go and win the show um i think it kind of just goes to testify kind of like the the realness of the show as far as like you, they find a real artist who's actually you know trying to make something of themselves or say something yeah and so you know they have my respect i'll always go back and do shows with them if they ask me like i, I was able to go do doing it right like on the show this year which was awesome it's and, a badass um, song, by the way. Thank you, man. Yeah, it, it, it was one of the first songs I wrote in Nashville. Um, so it, it was it's it's a good relationship that I have with them now, and I still keep in touch with the executive producers and everybody on the team. And you are know. you in a deal with them? Like, do you? I so mean, it's not American Idol. It's it's there's it's kind it gets kind of sticky. There's so many different um, co ownerships that are happening. But BMG basically, which is a German uh, you know company, but uh, they they own Fremantle 
which is one of the the production companies that puts on Idol. Okay. And then that's also associated with 19 recordings. And then, you know, that BMG also owns uh, BBR, Broken right. Bow Records. Broken Bow. And yeah. that's that's the label that I'm on, but I'm under uh, the Wheelhouse record label imprint. So there's so many caps on caps on caps. But as far as being in a deal with Idol, they don't, they don't really tell me, Chase, this is what the next song you're going to put in, or this is what your product, here's your album cover. I got to make all that. Right. And so when people are like, Sometimes I've I've read some stuff where it's like people will say, oh, uh, now you're owned. <laughs> no, well they'll say I don't because I put out that new EP right and and I, I put my best foot forward. Oh shit, I'm sorry. Okay. I put my best foot forward on my commercial side as far as the songs that um, I was picking for that. I was like, these are the songs that I think will be great for radio, and that's you know how I kind of imagine that EP. And then I have all these other songs that aren't on there that are a lot, you know, a lot different than the, the five songs or six songs that we put out. And um, a lot of people are like, oh, I, I wish he didn't have to work with the people that Idol's making him to work with. And I'm like, I'm working with people that I picked. Right. And I'm working with people that I want to work with. I think maybe in previous years it was that way. That was, it was. the story that came yeah, out. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. yeah, and so I was I was fortunate enough to where it's like the guys I wrote my songs with were guys that I I went out and went in rooms and sat with them. And felt comfortable and once enough. I felt yeah. comfortable, Good. I reached out to my publishing and said, I really like this group. Can we do another day? All right. And that's where all those songs came from. Beautiful. And it's because I was choosing to work with these guys. And Ross Copperman, who produced 23, produced Doing It Right, the whole EP. Um, I chose to work with Ross because I liked Ross, and 23 went really well. And so that was you know my pick. The band that we put in there. You know, was all these legendary players from Nashville that we were? I was blown away by some of the guys who were in there just because of I know them from the songs that they've cut before, and I'm like, these guys are playing on my record. This is crazy, huge, huge. You know, and um, so yeah, I've read some stuff where people, and I try not to read nothing because you get too, you know, you can get you can get wrapped up in that stuff. But I've read some stuff. People are like, oh, I wish he wasn't working with the people Idol are making, and I'm like, Idol doesn't put me in the rooms. So I enjoy what I'm doing, and I make this music. And as far as the post production goes. That's between me and Ross Copperman. And that's it. And that's it. That's beautiful. And when we're done with it, we send it to the label. And that's it. And they don't say, oh, Chase, we think the song needs to sound like this. And so that's something that I've kind of gone on about is I'm like, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And this right. is the songs that I wanted to put out. And then I'm, the next I'm glad you said that know. because I think that I've had that preconceived notion from years prior right. that that's just the way it was. And I, don't, I can't speak for last year's people or I can't speak for the year prior to that. You know, I don't know. Right. I know about my situation. That's all that matters. Dealt with, you know, and how it affected me. And I, I appreciate uh, the freedom that they've given me to be uh, creative and be the artist that I want to be. And it's like whenever I talked about doing this next project, um, you know, I have some bluegrass songs, basically, that I, I'm trying to get on there that aren't as, aren't as commercialized. And, um, I mean, so to speak, Nashville, quote, unquote, you know what I mean? I sure. was trying to go a little bit more down a red dirt road with some of these songs. And... Um, I'm actually excited to get back in there because they're they're all on board with it, you know, and they're like, yeah, we hear it, we we hear. It. I'm telling them, I think I hear this and I hear that, and I think this will go with that, and it's just a demo of me singing on guitar, and they're like, yeah, we we feel that, that's cool, and so Badass. it's awesome that they're letting me be the artist that I want to be and create the music I want to create. You know? Who 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 was your favorite mentor that you had through Idol? Well, I got to work pretty close with Brandon Boyd from Incubus yeah. and, uh, you know, big fan of Incubus and big fan of Brandon, one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And, I think he uh, was the first one with a red tattoo I ever saw. He's just a, he's a legend, dude. Yeah. I mean, that guy's he's so cool. Like, I can't even explain how 
chill this dude is. Like he seems okay. I've probably seen them live probably ten or eleven times. But when I drive from here to Laguna Beach and I'm coming through the canyon right before we see the water, yeah, I listen to "Wish You Were Here." Oh, Every man. single <laughs> so good. time. It's something that my son and I did forever. Like yeah. when we would drive down there, that's the song we would I think him to. and Casey sang that song on, on Idol. And I got to sing uh, Drive with them, which no was way. a huge honor. Huge. Oh, you know? yeah. And um, I mean, man, that was so much fun. And he just made me feel like like it was just me and him up there. And I had fun. And I remember Lionel telling me, he's like, Chase, connect with us out here. I'm like, dude, I'm on stage with Brandon Boyd. Like, <laughs> like I'm no. sorry, bro, but like, <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at this guy right here. And we just had so much fun up there. And he kind of told me, he's like, Whenever you're doing these types of deals, just if you could block out the cameras and the lights and if it's just you up there doing what you love, he's like, that's the biggest superpower that you can uh, implement into your career. And wow. so I've tried to figure out how to do that. And I feel like once I get planned shows, I kind of uh, I, I lock it in. But we've been off for a week. And so now tonight I was just saying, I was like, man, it's weird when you take a week off. It feels like Starting I've been off yet? for a month uh, and I'm like, oh, I got to get in my zone. But um yeah, you know, just just learning how to do some of the stuff that he told me, and you know, I got to hang out with him. And then Luke Combs, uh, you know, me and him got to sing on uh, on the last episode, the night that I won. And um, you know, he texted me, dude, and he was just like, "Hey, man, congratulations, you killed it! I told you we were gonna win." Like he was fired up because he wanted he wanted to get you know get the get the bag. So right, <laughs> he was like, "Let's bring this W home." And I was like, "All right, I'll do my best. I'll try." And Whenever I got it, he texted me, and he's like, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. I told you we were going to win, and you know, big, long text. And I was just like, man, that's so cool. Like, you're, you're Luke Combs. <laughs> like, you don't have to text me and say that. But he did, and um, that went a long way for me. And I think, like, a day or two later, they reached out and asked if I wanted the tour on uh, Luke's, Luke's Canadian tour. And I was just like, absolutely. I would Duh. Obviously, why would I not so want to go? Luke played here in 2016. Yeah. He opened for Corey Smith. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's throw that. <laughs> so, crazy. I'm good. I'm I'm good buds with Ray Fulcher. Have you met him yet? I haven't met Ray. He's one of the writers on just about just about everything that Luke does. Right. Uh, in, I've met uh, Dan Dan Isbell. Me and him wrote yep. a couple songs, but yeah. So, Luke just came back and played T-Mobile here. I still talk to Cappy every now and then. His manager. Yeah. Um, I ran into Luke uh, at the last Route 91 that was here. Um, Super good dude. Remembers playing here, which is fun. They always swear that this is the best hospitality they've ever had. I just talked to Cappy last year in Nashville, and he was like, Luke wants to put together this small tour where he goes back and plays the places that took care of him. Hell yeah. And when That's he's badass, like, you guys man. are on the list. I was like, thanks. But in saying that, like, you, you watch. So Luke, Luke was just out on his tour with Ash McBride and Ray Fulcher. I was in the back. All three of them played here. And so that's what I love about the the Stonies like thing is that a lot of these artists, I would say the majority of them that are up and coming, have come through Stonies and they right. play Stonies. They just here. get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you look at a guy like Luke. I mean, as far as I know, that dude's as, as humble as can be. You know, yeah. he's he's still the same yeah, when dude. I, and when I met him, dude, he came into the rehearsal room and just gave me this big old bear hug, and yeah. I was like, automatically, I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Like you're just a you're just a cool dude." His and his drummer that he has now was in his band in 2016. I was in Ray Ray uh, Ray's green room before his show, and we were talking about something. And he goes, "Toad," and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Dude, I remember playing at Stoney's." I'm like, "Who who are you?" Like I didn't remember who he was. He's like, "Dude, I'm Luke's drummer." And I was like. Shut the fuck up! Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, 2016. This he goes that that room is badass. I'm like, let's let's go back. Let's do it again, right? <laughs> let's let's yeah, do it like man. ten more times. Luke is Luke. I mean, I so I know both the Lukes in country music, and and both of them are um, are incredibly you know kind and, and hospitable, and and right. they're exactly what you'd want them to be as Good. far as like you know. Some people say, uh, you know, when you meet your heroes, that you don't 
you're always going to get let down. And, you know, I look up to Luke, Brian, and Luke Combs um, I'm immensely. You know, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want to do what they've done in country music? Right. And um, to get to know, uh, you know, especially Luke, Brian, and, and get uh, get a little more outside of the TV world and out of the country music and kind of just hang out with, with him has been really cool because it's, it just remind everybody's just a, one of the boys or just a normal dude or, you know, right. Jimmy Allen's a good friend of mine that I, I care about very much. And, and he sparked up that relationship. When I moved to Nashville, he hit me up and, and reached out and was like, Hey, let's go fishing. And, you know, ever since then, me and him have been, you know, buds. So that's cool. He's played here three times. Yeah. And that's my guy, dude. Like I, I freaking love Jimmy and we have a good time every time we're on the road and every time we get to go fish or whatever. Right. So, you know, it's really, uh, it's refreshing to get into country music um, and start meeting people that I really look up to and realize how humble and how kind they are. And it just makes you realize what kind of energy you want to maintain throughout, you know, your career. Goals for the rest of the year. Oh, man, I got some. I mean, I got that Luke Combs tour coming. <laughs> so when, like, do you, is that done? Like, when do you no, go that's on in November? Yeah, November. So, we're going to so it was supposed to be in um, March. Uh, then there was the stuff going on in Canada, and, you know, Luke's about to have his baby. So, um, I think that that kind of played a little bit of an influence on, on how many stops is that for you? I think it's eight. Holy cow. Eight in Canada. Yes. Yeah, so Just two. you and him or anyone else? No, Ry- Riley Green's going to be Huge. with us. And I love Riley Green too. You know, so it's, it's cool to get out there. I've seen Riley play a few times and I'm a big fan. He's been here. We actually have him June 25th. We have, an, we have a sister property up in Emmett, Idaho, just out of Boise. Right. That's like three times the size of we'll this place. We'll have to go play there too. Yeah. <laughs> that place is you got, uh You guys got Nate Smith coming here. July 1st. That's my dude. So here's what's funny. I've been, I've been chasing this dude for a while. My biggest fear with him is that his music's too mellow for here. Because we're a honky-tonk, man. They right. like to dance here, and they're not going to two-step the whole night. Right. So I was going back and forth where their boys over at CAA sent me his new music. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, I'll do it. Because I heard his, um, what is it? Um, Whiskey on You. Whiskey on You, yeah. yeah. Um, Dude, his shows are great. He sent me that in another one. I said, all right, yeah. I'll do it. I was on vacation when they sent me the songs. And I was like, because he was, I guess, routed through here. So I went, I'm, I'm in. Well, I'm going back on vacation the second <laughs> the day went, after the day after because i'm like go. i'm not missing like, i don't yeah, like to man. miss my shows here i mean i'm the guy that books them i'm the guy that markets them i i love music i just right. love being a part of it i love i love the experience of it as long as they're good and yeah. um on all levels but i i go back to that whole thing i was like i'm not going anywhere because i've been chasing this guy and this like it was a lot of email threads to get the show done because I fought it. I fought it. I fought it. And they're like, dude, you don't understand. I'm like, what, dude, I go listen to his music and I'm not saying he's bad. It's just not right. a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, but when the new stuff came out, I said, as long as it's like our offers, high energy, like yeah. in that sense. So you'll see the room. They like to dance. You'll have the people that are up front that want to pay attention to so the music. what do rest- you think about my music? <laughs> you're I'm like, you're I'm like, uh, <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it because I love the song 23, but I'm going to go listen to it on a whole different level now. Right. Um, just because, and I hope that people that listen to this will do the same thing. But yeah. that's what it's about. I mean, my point in all that is it's not all mellow. I mean, you, you've, you, you've got some life to you. So, yeah. I mean, and that's what it's about right, for, right. For, for me. But I've had a lot of artists that come through and they'll send me, like, I get a lot of bluegrass stuff that comes through. I get a lot of folk stuff that people try and come in here. I'm like, it's just right. not a fit for our room. I have a yeah. hard time with that because it's like, not that they're bad. Uh, there's another Nate. Is it Nate Barnes? Nate, is that right? Um, oh, I'm not sure. I think, but he's awesome, but just super mellow. Yeah, and it's I'm, more bluegrass stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like whenever I talked to my label about doing the bluegrass stuff, it was, um, and it's not going to be, 
like don't think like you know bluegrass yeah. <laughs> it's it's more so like um just more more fiddles and mandolins and and stuff like that there's nothing wrong ba- with any back of that. in the song right um i mean the, the vibe that i'm really trying to chase down in some of these songs is like uh like uh, just to see you smile or like shotgun rider type right. of you know sh- train shuffle and and just country man where people could still dance and have a good time because i did a year of those songs on stage and um it took me you know just a few months to realize i was like we got to change this like we have to change all these songs and right. i went back to nashville and wrote all these songs and um started implementing them into my set list and we realized we had a much better show people were you know i said I'd go into writes, writing rooms and tell these people, I need to write a high-energy, fun song. Like, let's get people up and out of their seats. And they're like, okay. So I did that for like two months, just every every day going into a room every week and, and just writing what I wanted to be big energy. And then um, we finally got doing it right recorded. And then I was able to take, you know, all my tracks and implement them into my set and make a much more full, complete sound on the show. Perfect. And um, that was like a big thing for us is because I love sad songs and I love writing them, too. And I love singing them. But I play these shows sometimes and I was like, oh, man, like we need more like fun stuff. And so that's kind of what I was telling my label is like. You know, I love my set right now, and I wouldn't change it because it's you go through and people are having fun, and I think it's good energy, you know. But I'm like, for me, the the bluegrass type stuff or the more in depth stuff is more for the listener and the streamer and and the person who's taking the time to listen through your music and stuff. Because I think we all know that some of those songs aren't going to be big radio hits, right? You know, right. like it's not going to be something that's going to make me a bunch of money, but I think it's going to help somebody. You well, know, and you so enjoy like, it. And, and I do enjoy it because it's true, you know. And so I'll write music like that, and I'll put it on there just so that one person can come across it, you know what I mean, and find it and say, oh, man, this is me. I needed this song. Or maybe I don't like this stuff, but he's got this one song that I really like, and that might bring him back for another album or another record. So, you know, I think it's it's kind of a fun line to walk of finding, like, you know, how can I keep this audience engaged and having fun? And then in the right rooms, you know, when when do I tell a story that's gonna rock someone's world? Right. You know, you wrote a uh, or you have a single with Lindsay L. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I didn't write that one, but uh, I I did sing it with her. <laughs> Were you in the same room with her when you guys recorded it? Or we did. Yeah, we cut that together. Um, you know, she was at the studio the day I cut, and I was cutting four or five other songs that day. And um, she came by the studio. We did uh, live vocals with the band, and and we're both in the same room. We came back a following day. We did some touch-ups uh, together, yeah, and uh, that was it. You know, she's then, rad. She's been here quite a few times. Um, does a lot of private events here. Yeah, um, just an entertainer. Oh man, she's as far as the, her playing, her you know the way that she gets down on stage. It's it's kind of a one of a, one of a kind deal. She was up in um, Tuella, Utah, a couple of years ago. We went up there for Country Fan Fest, and uh, it rained, and so lightning and everything and they shut right. everything down and then they put her back on the smaller stage it was in the campgrounds and she got out and just pulled her guitar out and just blew everybody away. It. Yeah. yeah. She's good gu- dude. She's she when she came to my house and we played Can't Do Without Me, I was just like, okay, so I won't be playing guitar on this. <laughs> like you will just <laughs> you, be the you got, yeah, this. you got this. But she was killing it and that was the first time I met Lindsay. Yeah. You know, she literally drove to my house and, and came over and, and we worked on this song. So you live in Nashville now? Yeah. I live when in did Nashville. you move to Nashville? About a year ago. About a year ago. Yeah. So that, um, what was the big jump for that? Did this is just what you were gonna do because you got the deal and it was, it Nash- just, it was Nashville or L.A. And I'm not, not saying I'm not, in L.A. Not, not gonna be in L.A. And right. it's not nothing against you know L.A. I just, for me, um, 
I've been wanting to get to Oklahoma back where my family's from. And that was ultimately my goal was to get, you know, out in the country and right. my sister's got to spread out there and, you know, my uncle's got to spread out there and they all live out there and everybody's kind of close to each other. And my goal was to get out, you know, and, and, and be out in Oklahoma and have a little bit of space. So um, I got to Nashville. <laughs> you know, what part of Nashville did you go to? I live on the east side of Nashville in a, in a town right outside of Nashville. So right I'm like 30 minutes outside of town. Not bad. Yeah. So it's comfortable and it's quiet. You know, I got one. I got one neighbor who I really, you know, know. He's 93 years old. His name's Bill, and uh, he's this uh, real cool old man. And we'll, we'll chat sometimes. But as far as that, like, that's the only person in the neighborhood I talk For, to. How much do you just have? Is it just a, a house in a in an area, or did you buy some land? Or no, no, I, I rent my home for now because oh. the market in Nashville it's is shitty. It's, it's like mean, here. It's incredibly uh-huh. bad for yeah. a buyer. It's great for a seller. I mean, uh, well, it depends. Like my dad, he's got to spread out here in California, and I keep on telling him, I'm like, dude, sell that and then go to Oklahoma or go to, uh, you know tennessee and you can get away you know because if you were to buy your home in nashville or let's say you sold your home well you just have to go buy a home just as expensive right. as your home is so you're not really making or you're, you're just moving shooting yourself in the foot you're yeah. just moving yeah so it's like i told my dad I'm like here you could you know ditch your place and go out and get something a million times better and still have money left over and you can retire wow. and um I th- he's put so much work into his ranch that he's kind of just like. How much acreage does he have? He's got ten in California, yeah. you know. But it's a it's a it's a small horse ranch where he's you know he's got all of his horses out there. Right. You know they got uh, lambs. My little sister she raised a lot of animals through like FFA and that kind of stuff uh, in high school. So but she just graduated the other day. So um, now they're talking about maybe you know kicking rocks out of California, getting out to Tennessee or Oklahoma with with the rest of the family. I'm trying to downsize here. I bought a half acre in eighteen. Um, in single story, I built a big ass garage in the back, twelve hundred square foot garage for my boat that I just sold during COVID, and uh, I'm like sitting on all this what land. Kind of boat? Uh, Malibu. I a started Malibu. wake surfing. Yeah, that's badass. Dude. Um, I've no always fit. wanted to get into it. I I surfed growing up. There you go. Yeah. So, so I've always wanted to get into the the artificial waves and wave pools and wake right. surfing. Yeah, I yeah. thought was cool, man. So they so I bought a I bought a Tahoe boat just to see if I would go to the lake a lot. I grew up on on the water, not doing an awful lot of fishing. Right. And then, uh, um, I put one of those little, um, like a little wake surf thing on the side of the boat that was, uh, um, suction cup. Okay. What a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and I got this little wave about this big. I was able to get up and I'm like, I like this. Well, my mom's uh, a CPA. She's full blooded Italian. Uh, I always say she should have been born Jewish because she's the cheapest lady I've ever met. <laughs> but I go show her this boat and I probably looked at this boat for a year because right. it's an investment. Yeah. Like, the Malibu was thirty grand. I mean, I'm sorry. The Tahoe well, was thirty grand. Those wake surf boats are not cheap. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. So I looked at them. She's like, "You worked your ass off, buy it." So I bought a brand new boat, had right. it for three years, sold it for what I bought it for. But in go. in the midst of all that, I never had so much more freedom. I didn't have my phone attached to me. Yeah, I got to listen to music. Mm-hmm. I got to hang out with my friends because I only took a handful of people out there. That because you have to really like someone to get on a boat with them. Uh, if you want to bring them on your boat, yeah, because well, you got rules, man. And you're and it's this much room, and you're going to uh, spend four or five hours with someone on this much room. I got rules on my boat. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't get on my boat with your muddy shoes. You know, right. it's a fishing boat. I got a tracker. You know, okay. but still, it's like I paid I paid good money for it, and I want to keep it for. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to have to go buy a new one just because this one's trashed. I was like, this thing could last me. However Forever. long I want it to, sure. you know. It's your so call. When, when my buddies get on, I'm like, hey, you know, don't be don't be dinging up my boat or you know. Throwing I had trash someone jump on my boat like with a, with a, a red solo cup filled with blueberries. 
Yeah, not okay. No. Especially if you got, like, white vinyl seats. And, I you had know. gray and burgundy. Okay. And there's the thing, too, with, like, cause my, I grew up on boats. And my stepdad, I mean, we'd go to Lake Havasu. And uh, we weren't fishing or nothing like that. But he was very particular about, he still is a state about his truck or anything that he owns. It still smells brand new. It's, right. It's top of the line, clean. You know, doesn't eat in his truck, doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't, you, we weren't allowed to eat in the boat. And it was like, I remember a big thing was like, if you put sunscreen on, then put a towel down behind because your sunscreen will tint that white vinyl. Right. You know, that's it was hilarious. Stuff like that. So growing up, it would drive me nuts, you know, but as an adult with my you understand boat, now. I do the same thing. Sure. I'm like, no, don't do this or don't do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's mine and I want it to last. Well, we forever. spray the kid. It was out on that, uh, out on that little back piece that goes off the back of the boat. I yeah. spray you stand there until you dry off. Yeah. <laughs> Right? That stuff floating all over the boat. Exactly. I dude. was. I wasn't much different, and uh, I'm glad I sold my boat. When we did because the water here's just gone straight down. And then when you sell it too, you can get like you said, you, uh, what you paid for it, or you can actually sell your whatever you it is you own your car, your dirt bike, or your boat. You can actually sell it for top dollar value. Right Someone now, pay yeah. for it because guess what? It's like new. You know, yeah. I've taken good care of it. So, so. I ride dirt bikes. I bought uh, a CRF. 250R in 2004. Okay. I still have it. I got a 99 XR400. There you go. <laughs> did you buy it brand new or did you buy it off a... No, it was actually my uncle's. And, okay, so it's uh, in the family's he, there. He, he'd passed away um, a few years back and it was uh, it was sitting in his shed out back. And, you know, my stepdad basically was like, hey man, you know, I know Bob left this bike and uh, my mom and my aunt, they're all real close. And so my aunt was like, yeah, you could take it if you get it working, you know, figure it out. And so Terry goes, I bet we could get that bike fired That's street up. legal then, right? Excellent. It's street legal, yeah. yeah. It's got plates. And so, um, dude, we pulled it out of the shed. There's like 30 other bikes on top of it. And this thing's just like brown coated and dust. And it had been sitting back there for I don't know how long. But Terry goes, I bet Bob drained the fuel out of that bike before. I bet he ran it out of fuel. He goes, if he ran it out of fuel, he's like, it should fire right up. And so we pulled it, washed it out, got it out of there. It was Put a new plug in it? Yeah. Well, we cleaned, you know, basically cleaned out, rebuilt the carburetor, you know, made everything to where it was, you know, changed the air filter. There's little things, man, but sure. nothing crazy. And got the uh, carburetor calibrated to, you know, where we get it fired. Two kicks, man. And, wow. Um Last new jets. Time. That's really all you have to put yeah, in Yeah, new thing, jets. Right? And last time I was on it, dude, I mean, it had been sitting for a couple months, and I jumped on it, and second kick, that thing fired right up, dude. I just, so... In the wintertime, I really don't ride a lot out here. So I've, I've been riding my 2004 since 2004. I bought it in Utah. Yeah. Been riding it. I'm the only guy that's really rode it. And then in 19, one of my buddies was selling his 450F because he, he was afraid he was going to get hurt and he wanted to buy a Can-Am. Yeah. So he's like smoking deal. And it really wasn't a smoking deal. But when I bought it, I got a smoking <laughs> deal on it because I jewed his ass down. But um, and I bought a, a brand new 450. He rode it like two or three times. Yeah. And that bike is no joke. So going yeah, from yeah. a 2004 to a 2019... I went from carburetor to fuel injection, and right. oh, my God. Yeah, but big difference. Love the thing now. But I, you put these bikes side by side, and people look at it and go, two brand-new bikes. I'm like, no, that one's a 2004. They're like, what? Because yeah. I take care of my stuff. Yep. I'm that way. I just bought a Razor. When we sold the boat, I was waiting for another boat, and then I went out and bought a, a four-seater Razor because the water kept going down. I'm like, we love just going out to the desert at night, so why not fart around? And where we live, it's literally, I don't have to trailer it anywhere. We just ride. Yeah, well, we used to have the, my parents, you know, they're big into going out to the desert. That We go to, you know, Dumont yeah. or uh, Glamis and stuff. And so they had a, a Razor, four-seater Razor, and they just, now they got a Can-Am. And that thing's a monster. Dude. Yes, I mean, they that, are. That thing just goes. I mean, talk about a fast, capable little vehicle. 
and they're fun. But you know, I love I love getting on my XR, dude. My stepdad's got a, a Husqvarna 300, and you know, you just, it's funny because you just get on that thing, you press a button, it fires up. Right. My 450s uh, electric. Stuff. Yeah, it, it's uh, I forget what he calls them a happy button, happy start, just because it's quick, you know. And sometimes I'll stall out and I'm on a hill and I'm just like but <laughs> trying I, to get my bike to fire up. My buddy Ian had an XR, and I had my 04 kick kickmobile mm-hmm. and he would start climbing up this stuff and his bike would stall and he'd be looking at me and he'd go hey and just, fire and just start going up. i'm yep. like and all i would do is just walk by with my finger oh up, like, man he'd, he'd do the same thing to me and but you know i, I got i learned a lot about because i didn't really i rode when i was a kid but i started riding more whenever i got that bike and so yeah. i learned a lot about you know what to do what not to do whenever i was riding boy i've tumbled off that thing so many times i remember my mom because i'd come home from idol me and my stepdad terry would be like Oh, you know, let's let's go for a ride because me and him were good buds, and we'd we'd go out and ride all over the desert out in Barstow, where um where we'd like to go was just right outside of Barstow, and uh, my mom would be like, "Don't be taking him out there; he's gonna break his arm or break his leg." And you know, we'd go out there and we'd always be like, "We're gonna play it safe today," and then we'd always go up down some sketchy shit and almost barely make it out. And he's like, That's "Don't t- don't tell your mom about that." <laughs> my 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 old neighbor Jimmy had a a, a two fifty two-stroke kawasaki and we'd go out riding and the last time we rode together was one of those times we got home and um we looked at each other and went we should both be dead right now because right. there was like three or four times where he should have been in the hospital yeah like he would come around a corner and his bike would just do one of these things oh, and then he man. would just ride it out i'm like how the f- we came over this we both jumped over this thing and the road went like this we both landed and did the same thing it was like oh, we looked at man. each other and we're just like how did that wow. happen <laughs> yeah like this is not real and that was the last time we rode together i think I think he got rid of his bike. All he does is go in his garage now and start it and just smoke up the neighborhood. But I think that's about all he does. He got smart. I broke my back in 2000 riding my dirt bike. Oh, man. Uh, real bad. I got fixed at Cedar sinai There you uh, go. Blessing. But needless to say, I still ride. Uh, I don't ride like I used to ride. Right, but yeah. I, still, I love single track. I just like... Yeah, that's what we do out there yeah. in the desert, single track. And we just go rip through little places that you couldn't get on your razor. You yep. can't get on foot. You can't get with your car. Yeah. And some of the views, I mean, it's just like... Yeah, yeah. I get, we'd get to some places and I'd be like, man, this is special because you know that only a select few people have gotten to this spot and hung out right here because you're not going to walk three miles out into just the, to get to it just yeah. to get to it and it's like we get there take our helmets off and you know really enjoy what we're looking at and so that's my favorite part about getting to go out to the desert and yeah out here it's very similar to i was born in riverside okay so i'm yeah. familiar with the area, the out area there. i didn't yeah. spend a lot of time out there i grew up here yeah. but i used there, to work in riverside did you yeah I, I call it the armpit of California. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could. I don't know. I don't want to. I got in trouble for talking about where I'm from. I love where I'm from. It's home, man. But, you know, it's, it made you who it's, you are today. It, yeah, it made me who I am today. But, I mean, I'd be lying if I was to say, like, you know, oh, this is, this is, this is why, this is what it is, man. It's like, I knew that there was more as far as, but Riverside, San Bernardino County, uh, Apple Valley, and, I mean, the reality of it is, is a lot of people live there because it's a lot less cheaper than it is to live in L.A. or the sure. Because who wouldn't want to live in Malibu or Laguna Beach or in San Clemente, right? Yeah. I, don't, I think you'd be crazy. To, I, don't know. I love anyone the that says they wouldn't, they're full of shit. Oh, I love being in. <laughs> dude, I love. I'm a. I love being in the woods. I love fishing in farm ponds, and I love you know being out in the middle of nowhere with no city lights or nothing. But there's one other place I'd live. It's right there on the beach. I yes. could live on the beach, no problem. So, I mean, yeah. it's just so expensive, and nobody can really afford it. So, I mean, that's why a lot of the people do live in the high desert is because it, it makes living just a little bit easier because we can afford housing, we can afford. But then there's other issues because it's so dry. We don't have, like, water cost a fortune. Yep. You know, and now because people are moving up to the desert and it's developing so much, you know, rent increases and a lot of things go up. 
you know, so that kind of goes back to like what I was saying. It's like, man, this isn't this isn't the whole world chase. Like, you know, I can get out of out of here and go explore a little bit. But it is fun riding, and some of the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets that you'll ever see are out in the desert. They I'll are. Tell you that. My buddy Brad lives Southern California. I don't know exactly where he lives now, but he took us to a place I fifteen just before uh, San Bernardino. Um, coming from here, it's on the right hand side. There's a Wendy's. I just remember this. And there's an old track out there. Okay. And he took us out to this track. It's literally just before you get to the mountain range. Apple Valley area, I would believe so, yeah. Right. And uh, um, I just remember going through this place, and then we rode. He just knew this track. It was closed, but it was super wide, and um, there was some jump stuff out there. I mean, it was just a really good time. And yeah. um, we used to take our dirt bikes out there and go ride with with him in different places out there. But there's some places out there that I would love to. I'm I'm not a Dumont fan because I've been there once. Uh, too many people die out there. There's too many fucking idiots. Oh, so yeah. I don't go. Glamis, Glamis looks. Too. Gl- I mean, a lot of people die at Glamis, too. Yeah. You know, it just, looks beautiful, but like people are like, dude, you're going to take your razor up there? You I'm get like, drunk no. people yep. and motors, you know, motorsports going. No, no thanks. It's a, it's a no thank you for me. Especially, I mean, same thing with Habasu. Like, you yeah. know, how many people die uh, from drunk boating wrecks? Or, yeah. You know, or kids that fall off tubing. You go out on holiday weekends and. I mean, honestly, you guys, if you t- pull in your kid on a tube in Lake Havasu on a, on Fourth of July weekend, Dumb. I mean, you should you should have your kids taken from you. <laughs> I'm not like that. We I see it and I'm like, what the hell are these people thinking? Right. They're driving straight through the middle of the damn lake. You got a thousand other people not paying attention, going twenty, and half of them are drinking. Yeah, you know, and it's like you're pulling your damn kid on an inner tube. And you think that little orange flag is going to stop some drunk guy hauling ass 80 miles? Yeah, they have no idea. And, I mean, the horror stories, I've been going there since I was a kid. The horror stories that we've heard, you know, growing up. And it's just like, man, you get drunk people, motors together, it's just a bad deal. Yeah, Dumont, I have a lot of friends that go to Dumont for the holidays. You you should come up. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. I might go out, like, on a Wednesday. (laughs) I mean... I'll have to tell you. I won't tell you on recording, but I'll tell you where I ride in California. It's not too far from here. You know, it's maybe a couple-hour drive for you, um, not even an hour and a half. And um, it's amazing. It's single track. If you like single track, dude, some right. of the best uh, views. It's such a cool place because there's a lot of old uh, old mines and stuff around there, and there's just a lot to explore and, and the rocks and everything. It's just very beautiful if you get out there on a clear day, get to go ride and enjoy it. But, I mean, we could ride from my house. We'd get up to Big Bear. You know, really? You could, yeah, oh yeah. You could leave our house. I guess you could. It's yeah. right behind. You got Silverwood, so we could yep. ride to Silverwood. You go up into Big Bear, um, you know, Wrightwood. Um, Wrightwood's a little bit way out of the way, but I mean, as far as Silverwood and Big Bear, that's like we're right on the other side of that mountain range, you know. So right. we could get from our house and get up into the mountains, and we go from the desert to the pine trees in about an hour, you know, on the bike. It's beautiful. I like the. Um, I took the ride through. Um Big Bear in one of my Volkswagens, and I went there for some car meet in October called Oktoberfest, of all things. I'm not a car scene guy. I love looking at cars, but I'm not the guy that's going to kick it with all those people there. Right, it's just not yeah. my thing. So I looked at all the cars, and then I drove out, and it puts you on the other side, puts you out into L.A. Right. Oh, my God. Probably the funnest drive I've ever been Going on. down? Yes. Oh, yeah. Some guy in a Corvette was yelling at me because I was on his ass. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> moving I'm in a little little four-cylinder turbo 2.0, and like you're in this big-ass motor, yeah, and you're, you're, and you're like, going 35. I'm like, dude, I'm looking to take this corner at 80. You're, you're taking it at 30. Get out of my way. Should but, handle, right? Should handle that road just fine. Yes. <laughs> totally. Dude, thank you so much for the time. Tell people how to find you online. Yeah, you can find me at chasebeckham.com. Um, all my, all my, just about everything's Chase Beckham, C H A Y C E, and Beckham, just like the soccer player, just like the football player. Um, but yeah, Chase Beckham music on Instagram, Chase Beckham on Twitter, Chase Beckham. On Are you the guy TikTok. that runs it all, or do you have someone help you? 
I I well I would be lying if I didn't say like some people help me post my stories and stuff, but I I do run. You answer all your own stuff. Yeah, I think if you were to look at my Instagram and like read my caption, I'm I'm like my signature is a long caption, so I always put like something way too dramatic and long on every picture, every (laughs) video. I'm sure people are like, this guy's too much, but that's kind of like my stamp of approval. Basically, is if I give it a good long caption, then it's It's you. you. It's me. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you again for the time. Appreciate you, man. I come from a South California town, a little flyover in the desert, where the Joshua trees and the tumbleweeds keep rolling on forever. I took a couple. Of-